0: Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast Channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321 both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server your giving is much appreciated now get ready as our connect pastor adam gooch starts a brand new series entitled god at the box office guys. We are so glad that you are here. Just like Pastor Ryan said, um, if you're a visitor with us today, you are very, very important. Um, And we're really, really glad that you're here. Uh, We do kick off a brand new series today. You heard him say it. We launch, um, honestly, my favorite series of the year every single year. Um, This is God at the box office. And it is on an extra special level this year because it is the Disney edition. Do we have any Disney fans in the room? I'm just curious. Like I actually took my wife to Disney World uh, for our honeymoon. Uh, She hadn't let me forget that. And um, equally, she hasn't let me forget that because it was Star Wars week, and um, I nerded out, y'all, hard. Um, So it was fantastic. She wanted to be on a beach, tropical Hawaii, and I wanted Mickey in a Jedi suit. So um, I won. Uh, She got the wedding. I got the honeymoon. Uh, But I love Disney movies, and people ask us, like, why? What is the purpose of the series? Like, why would you do a series based around movies, right? Shouldn't you um, kind of do everything out of the Bible? Shouldn't that be the focus? That's some pushback. But honestly, one of the things that we believe um, is that truth has a name, and that name is Jesus. So anywhere you find truth, guess who you found? Jesus. And so as we dive into these movies, they are um, impactful, and they make impacts on our lives, not just because they have cool soundtracks, which Lenny and Brody absolutely killed that song, um, opening up the service, not just because they have memorable characters, um, but because there are powerful truths communicated in movies today. Like Pastor Ryan said, we are going to tackle the movie Monsters, Inc. today. Um, If you look up sales, the Monsters franchise, um, Disney-wide, has grossed somewhere around $1.4 billion um, since it was released. Um, The movie came out in 2001, uh, which was a really huge deal, right? Like 2001 was a very uh, memorable year for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, we had um, September the 11th and all that went down with that. It was also the year I graduated high school, so um, kind of made the mark on the world there too. And, um, but 2001, Monsters Incorporated, um, this movie did star um, the legendary John Goodman and Billy Crystal um, as James P. Sullivan and Mike Wazowski. And it's interesting because being a Disney fan, having small children, um, I've honestly memorized, like, the entire movie. Like, I know it by heart. I can quote it. Um, But until I began studying and getting ready for this series that we were in, um, I didn't realize, I think, the impact and the truth that was communicated in it. Um, And I honestly, as we begin to watch some of this, um, I want you to really pay attention um, to the powerful truths and how important and honestly what I think relevant um, that this movie is to our society today. You know, the central theme as you start diving into Monsters, Inc. um, is fear. And fear is a very, very powerful force. None of us are fearless. Uh, We may like to pretend that we are, but we all have, um, in some way, fears in our lives. Maybe you fear um, failure. Maybe you fear rejection. Maybe you fear um, the dark, right? Anybody afraid of the dark? Uh, Pastor Ryan, got it. Um, whatever it is that you fear, maybe you fear um, on missing out, whatever it may be, here's the thing that you have to know about fear. Fear lives in the unknown. Yeah. It lives in the things that we don't understand, that we don't comprehend. That's why you fear them. If you're afraid of the dark, are you afraid of the actual absence of light, or are you afraid of the fact that you don't know what's in there, right? If you're afraid of the thing under your bed, or you're afraid of the monster in your closet, What you're afraid of is that you don't know. I don't understand. I can't wrap my mind around what that thing is. And the crazy thing about it is these fears, fear regardless of whatever its object is, whatever that thing is that you're afraid of, it can absolutely take over every aspect of your life. Fear can take over your mind. It can take over your heart. But my biggest problem with fear, and I've got a big problem with fear, the biggest problem, and I think I see it everywhere I turn in so much of our culture today, is this. Fear creates this idea, right? This attitude of us versus them. That's what fear does. When you begin to fear something, fear um, separates. It divides. Now, at first thought, that's, that's normal, right? Like it's natural to think that. When you fear something, yes, I'm going to separate myself from whatever that thing is that I'm afraid of. Why do I do that? Well, because I'm worried. It's a threat to me. If I'm afraid of it, that means I'm worried that it will impact my life, the way I see life, the way I enjoy life. Maybe it will impact my family. Whatever it is, that thing that I fear, I separate. I separate myself from it. But it doesn't just stop there. We talk about these fears. How many of you in the room are afraid of spiders? Raise your hand. Just get it out there. Yes, evil, right? Uh, Pastor Steve, that's his deal, man. Don't, don't, don't kid with him on spiders. He, and now some of you are going to go kid with him. Um, how many of you are afraid of clowns? Be honest. There we go. We got some. Yes, clowns. How many are afraid of cats? N- nobody? Like, you should be afraid of cats. They are very mysterious. They are conniving, and they have really sharp claws. Uh, So you should be afraid of cats. Now, the the most evil of all creatures, and this is my number one fear, more than anything, is snakes. Can I get an amen? Yes. Snakes are evil, right? I I make no calms. I will scream like a girl, right? Don't bring a snake around me. And I promise you, if you try to mess with me and try to come up behind me and, oh, it's a snake, I am 6'3", 250 pounds of hurt you, Okay? (laughs) I don't do snakes period why it's us versus them like they will kill you they're dangerous they are a threat to my way of life and I promise you I don't care if there's one anywhere near my yard you know what it's gonna do it's gonna die but I ain't getting close enough like some of y'all jokers do to like cut its head off with something I'm bringing a shotgun and I'm hitting it from like 20 yards you know what I'm saying like I ain't getting close enough cuz I've seen those things they're fast they can jump they can climb trees they can swim in water I've seen them jump up in cars. I won't even hit one with my car because I saw a picture one time and the snake was all wound up in the engine compartment. I won't do it. I ain't even going to hit one in my car. I'm going to veer off the road, end up in a ditch, and then run from the snake. (laughs) Now let's think about it for a minute, okay? It is a very irrational fear of mine. I'll be honest with you. Go ahead. I'll scream like a girl and you can laugh and then you'll die and I won't. But here's the deal. If we take fear out of the equation, Right? Let's take our fear and that fear lens that we look at snakes, remove that, all of us. Who was afraid of them again? Raise your hands. Some, all y'all, so much y'all lying in church right now. Now, all snakes are bad, right? You've heard the saying, what is it? The only good snake is a dead snake. Amen. That's truth. That's Jesus, okay? But now, honestly, if we take off the fear lens and we look at the reality of the situation, Are all snakes really bad? No. There are actually, science tells me, I don't still know that I believe it, but there are good snakes. There are snakes that will kill rodents. They will kill pests. There are snakes that if they're around your house, they will kill the venomous snake, right, that wants to kill you. The good snake will kill the bad snake. But do we see it that way? No. The only good snake is a dead snake. Why do we have that mentality? Why do we think that way? Well, yes, it starts in this fear of us versus them, but see, here's the thing about fear fear is never content with just creating this idea of others. It's never content with just creating that us and them mentality. Fear will always work to radicalize and villainize, if that's a word, that other person, that other thing. It always takes it to the extreme. Right? Yes, I hate snakes. Yes, snakes are dangerous. And if there's one right here right now, I'm gonna kill it. But what happens is that fear gets in our mind and all of a sudden that us and them mentality, it takes it to where it's not just us and them. It's not just them and the others. It's this idea that somehow, like we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. Right? We're the humans. They are the monsters. They're the villains. And the problem with that, yeah, kill all the snakes, I don't care. Like, I'm I'm still going to kill all the snakes. But the problem when you look at fear and how it impacts our life is the more that makes its way into our life and the more that fear begins to run all of our mental processes and the way that you see the world is that fear can begin to fuel your life. Way too many's lives, many too many people's lives are driven by fear that has overtaken them. As you watch Monsters Inc., what you see is that the entire monster world, the entire city of Monstropolis, is literally fueled by the fears of human children. You know, the irony in this situation, the irony as you watch this, and part of the comedic relief, is that the monsters, right? The scarers, that's the title of their job, they're scarers. The monsters who are professionals at scaring human children, like they're masters in fear, as you watch through the movie, what you see is that the monsters themselves are more terrified of the kids they're tasked with scaring than the kids that they're supposed to be scaring. You have this fear taking place. Yes, the kids are scared. Yes, that's fueling the city of Monstropolis, but everything you see as the movie begins to play out is that the monsters are equally, if not more so, terrified of the humans. And all of a sudden, this cycle starts playing out, this this cycle of perpetual fear that one feeds the other, and then that feeds the other, and it it begins to spiral out of control. Now, let's let's leave the monster world and let's come back to our world because I don't know if you know it or not, but we live in a cycle of perpetual fear in our culture regardless of what news station you turn it on, regardless of what uh, magazine you read, regardless of what newspaper you may read, we live in a cycle of fear in our nation and in our world. I don't want you to raise your hands. I don't need you to answer me out loud, but I want you to um, honestly take a second inside your own spirit, and I want you to um, honestly answer this question for you. What comes into your brain What's the first emotional reaction, that first gut thought that comes out when I say something like um, the Black Lives Matter movement? What's that first thought? Maybe it's the Blue Lives Matter movement. Like what's, what's that first instinct? What's, what's that first thought that comes into your brain um, when I mention the LGBT community? What, like first thought. Let's try this one. How about if I come out and I mention, um, let's say you're driving down the road and you're going to work, whatever, and you look over at a construction site and you see a large um, group of immigrants working side of the road, doing whatever they may. Like, what's, what's the first thought that enters your mind? Like, where do you go mentally? Because honestly, I think that first thought, where you go, says a lot about the level of fear that you have in your life. Now, you may not define it as that, but honestly, I think as I say those terms, as I, as I bring up groups of people in our world, I think all of us to some degree have an emotional response. We have a response to those groups. And I think depending on the level of um, how strong you feel, I think the reason that I could accurately say that about you is because I think to a certain degree, we've all allowed fear to some level into our lives. We've allowed fear to come in and All of a sudden, it's not just that we have this idea of us versus them. But again, depending on that level of response that you have, maybe you've allowed fear into your life to the point that it begins to do what fear does. And it's not that it just divides, but it begins to radicalize. It begins to vilify the other. As you look through... Um, the monster world as you watch through the movie, and I think as you look through our world, there are a lot of similarities there, and honestly, I think there are a lot of similarities to the world um, that Jesus lived in. Yeah. I don't think a lot's changed since then. You know, when Jesus came to this world, as you read through the stories of the Gospels, um, Jesus came for the Jews, or, or that's at least what the Jews thought, you see, they had all these prophecies. They had all these things telling them of the Messiah to come, and and He was going to come back. And they were under the oppression of the Roman Empire, and they were um, feeling like they were under the foot of Caesar. and And their Messiah was going to come, and He was going to free them of all of that. Right? And he was going to make everything right and put them back on top. And then Jesus came, and they all got really, really excited. Like He's here. He's going to make everything right in the world. And then all of a sudden Jesus started doing this stuff that they couldn't really understand. He started, he started ministering to and spending time with the others. That us versus them mentality like, didn't make sense to Jesus apparently because as he went and he started doing all these miracles and he started ministering to people, Like he was going up and he was healing these lepers, the most outcast of the outcasts because people were so scared that if they were in with them, that they might catch the disease that they had. Jesus is going along, and there's this story where he he goes and he heals um, the servant of a Roman centurion. Like the very epitome of evil in the eyes of a Jewish person, now my Messiah is healing their people. No, Jesus, you're supposed to be eradicating them. It's us versus them, and you're supposed to be on our side. But you see Jesus like healing them. You see him go and he heals the Samaritan woman, which is a Gentile that was totally not, it just didn't make sense to the people of Israel in that time. And Jesus went and he, he loved and he healed the poor just like he healed the rich. And he, he spent time with the, um, with the sinners just like he did the Pharisees and the religious people. And he, he spent time with the Bible says the worst of the worst, which is the tax collectors. Like it doesn't get any worse than that. And they couldn't understand. They didn't know why Jesus didn't understand. No, this is us versus them, Jesus. Like, you're on our side. You're supposed to be our LeBron James, okay? But then Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, and it totally, like, began to change the way so many of them saw the world. He says, you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? He said, even corrupt tax collectors do that much. He said, and if you are kind only to your friends... How are you different from anyone else? He said, even pagans do that. And he goes on and he tells them. He says, but you are to be perfect. That's what you're called to. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now that word perfect means whole, lacking nothing. Jesus is telling them, if you're going to be my followers, if you're going to orient your life around me, you have to be different than everybody else. What he was telling them is, You can't let fear overtake your life. What did you have to do? You got to love. And all of a sudden, like all the wheels in their heads started turning as they heard the Messiah, the Son of God, begin to say these words. In the movie Monsters, Inc., it's not until um, Sully accidentally allows a human girl into their world that this narrative of the vilified other begins to unravel in the monster world. And with it, the entire fear-based economy of Monsters, Inc. In the end, as you kind of watch through Monsters, Inc., what you see is that by capitalizing on these unfounded fears, by painting um, the others as infectious outsiders, what the monsters unknowingly did was they denied a power that was so much greater than the power of fear that they'd been living on. What they did was they denied the power of love, and laughter, and joy. I think as we look through the life of Jesus, one thing that we see very, very clearly, is that Jesus was great at loving the outsider, loving the other, the downtrodden, the you know, early on, I asked you um, about different populations of people and kind of what, what ideas came into your head when you thought about them. Let's try one more. What comes into your head? What goes into your mind? What emotions come out? Whenever you think of someone maybe with a different religious background than you. Let's say maybe someone of the Muslim faith. Like what's that first reaction? A couple of years ago, my wife and I, were we'd been in Paris. We were flying out of Paris. We were flying to Johannesburg. And as we went to get on the plane, we went to our terminal. We've got our bags. We're getting ready to do the deal. And honestly, um, as we walk up to the terminal, there's this group of people, um, a gentleman with some older um, sons, I'm assuming. Um, and they're very clearly um, Arab people. And they're very clearly Muslims because they were rolling out their prayer carpets and they were um, getting on their knees and they began praying um, their daily prayers. And honestly in that moment the first thought I had as I was getting ready to board a plane was I'm not doing this. I'm not getting on that plane. I mean that's a terrorist, right? And then I, honestly I heard the Holy Spirit on the inside of me say so quickly Gooch, that's what God calls me. He said, Gooch, how do you think you're going to love people like I've called you to love people if you're allowing fear to overtake your heart and your mind? And I learned something very, very um, powerful in that moment, and it's this. You cannot love the things that you fear. You see, fear and love cannot coexist they can't take up the same time and space. Why is that so? Well, the Bible tells us. John tells us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. He says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. He says, if we are afraid, then it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced God's perfect love. And then it goes on and tells us that we love each other because he first loved us. See, ladies and gentlemen, here's the challenge today. Fear is the currency of this world. Everywhere you look, everywhere you turn, fear is the currency of this world, but love is the currency of heaven. And that while loving other people casts out fear, judging them does the exact opposite of that. Look what the Bible says. This is my last verse and I'm done. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But you see there's a but on the back end in verse 8. Because he says, But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is Love. As we look through the the powerful truth that's found in Monsters, Inc., I want you to take a look on the inside of your life and ask yourself, what is it that's powering your life? What is it's the driving force? Fear can drive your life. It can be the fuel. But I'm here to tell you today that it is so much weaker It has a different power source entirely than love. Fear runs out. The Bible tells us that love never dies. Why is that? Because God is love. Let's pray. God, we thank you, God, for being here. We thank you for your presence in this place, God. We thank you for the truth. God, anywhere we find it, Father, but ultimately, Lord, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that in our brokenness, in our sinful nature, God, you loved us. When we were running from you, God, you came and found us because you love us that much. And God, I pray that you would make this faith family, God, that you would make Faith Church a house of love, God, that we would be known for the way that we love other people, regardless of their background, regardless of what they may know about you, regardless of how they may feel about you, Father. Allow us to love people, not with an agenda, not because we think we can get something out of it, God, but we love people, God, because you loved us. And in that is the power to see a life change. In that is the power to see someone come to you, Father, and that's what we're here for. We love you, Jesus. I pray for every single person, God, that as we leave this place and as we go into our coming work week, God, and as we continue to live out the rest of our lives, God, that we would be a people marked by love, because when we do that, God, we are a people marked by Jesus, because it's in His name that we pray.